on. Everybody yeah, recording? Yes, sir. Yeah. You got your sock on? Uh, oh, yes, sir. Sweet. I got All my right. sock on too, but it's not on my uh, <laughs> mic. All right, three, two, one. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Into the Combine. I'm your host, Stan the Man. Good day, mate. This is Jason. And I'm Shorty. Shout oh, you, I guess you I missed doing? a cue on that one. Okay. <laughs> Dude, I just followed along. I followed suit. So <laughs> I thought it was good, though. Yeah. We got a very, very, very special episode to you guys, for you guys. Um, but first, let's break it down. think that one really needs an introduction but jason what was that for the listeners out there if they don't know all right mate that was that is murder with slaves beyond death really the whole episode you can do that <laughs> that's all, that's i was all just got. gonna say dude we gotta we gotta <laughs> cut that out cut that out now yeah, that's all well, I, I guess uh if anyone out there listening doesn't know what we're doing we're uh doing a dedicated episode on australia metal yeah break it down stan yeah we got a lot of stuff we are uh, we're it's basically just an episode Dedicated anything Australian and metal. Um, we got two interviews with uh, Dave Haley of Psychroptic and Tim Charles from Neoblivascaris, I guess is how you say it. Neo. Yeah, we could just say Neo. Yeah, basically that's it. We're just going to talk a lot about a lot of good metal that's coming in from Australia. Not, a, I guess it's not a country. We, you know, we got a couple of big bands we're going to talk about that everyone knows, but you don't really get, dive into a lot of Australian metal like we do, like Finland or. You know, Sweden or stuff like that. So yeah, but it's well, kind of a cool different episode. It's a gold mine, well, so it's about time we did it. And actually, we should mention too, it was uh, one of our listeners, Chris Shervey. He's uh, he's an Australian, and he recommended the to, this to us and uh, had helped out, gave me some recommendations for bands and all kinds of good shit. So definitely thank you, Chris, for the uh, the help with this one. Yeah, and there, we found out some really good shit. So I I want to personally thank him. I got some like new favorite bands. And then obviously that breakdown. You know, we did a little Dieter's Murder. One of the probably the most popular Australian bands, but um, they had that new album out this year, so I figured that might be like a good one to, to go with. Have you guys have you guys even checked that out yet? I have, I have. It is um, it's brutal. Right up. I mean, if you like the Iron is Murder, they're they're putting out more of the same shit. I don't know. I honestly really gave it one one spin through. Yeah. And I just heard a lot of what I was used to, but it was heavy and it was refreshing. So I liked it. I mean, I'd love to revisit it again and maybe 
Yeah, um, I don't even. I never listened to him that much. I listened to the last a little bit, you know. And I listened. Well, I, got I listened into to this Holy one. War a bunch. Right. But yeah, I remember. Yeah. Th- I remember thinking it was a really good deathcore album. But I, d- I mean, I didn't listen to it a lot though, you know. But I, I did listen to this a couple times, and I think it's pretty damn good, man. Especially for a deathcore album in 2017. I mean, yes, there's some breakdowns that are kind of basic and all that, but uh, it's dude, it's more death metal for sure. It's just heavy, fucking chunky riffs. You know, I mean, just heavy all around. And and CJ, I just like the the heavy, heavy low say, vocals the got, whole time. Yeah, yeah. CJ is very, very solid. He's something else again. I mean, he's yeah, he's kind of replaced for I mean, sure. He's like, ex- well, yeah, exactly, exactly. That's what I'm trying to think. Like, I wish I would have gotten to hear, you know, who they had to fill in for him while he was gone. But whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm glad he's back. And like I said, it's not it's not an album I'll probably listen to a bunch. But if you like that kind of thing, it's definitely one of the best out there doing the deathcore thing. So check that one out. But um. So we're going to do things a little different this episode since we've got two interviews. Um, we're going to play the first one for you guys now with Dave from Psychroptic. He's the drummer, um, but he's also involved in a whole lot of shit over there. So he was a really good guy just to talk about. We just we dove into everything Australian metal, old shit that he started with that was, was coming up, um, what the scene is like now, challenges of being from Australia, and then we talked about some Psychroptic shit. So go ahead and check that one out, and we'll be back in like 15 minutes. out there who don't know can you just give a quick rundown you know of all the things that you uh, have going on yeah well I, I guess my main job i guess you could call it uh, inverted commas would be as a musician you know um first and foremost pl- i played drums for psychroptic uh i played drums for a band called a bremelin uh, another band called ruins and another band called king uh and then i do lots of just session work and if I like if I like the music and I can record the the album or play live or whatever, chances are I'm likely to do it, just because I love playing drums, love being active. Um, outside of I guess playing playing a touring with Psychroptic primarily, uh, I also run a touring company called Direct Touring. So I, I bring just artists that I like to Australia and tour them around pretty much. Yeah, so probably. I guess 50% of my time is actually behind the kit playing 
and the other 50 is behind a, a keyboard and monitor yeah you know, trying to trying to work out and plan plan things yeah. yeah, right on, man. That's a pretty cool position that you have to be able to bring in um, these bands to Australia. Is there any bucket list band that you have brought in that you're pretty proud of or pretty stoked on that maybe hasn't been to Australia before? Um, it's almost every band I work with is kind of like a bucket list band because I've been so fortunate to work with killer bands. You know, um, this year already I've worked with Marduk, Gorguts, Flesh God Apocalypse, uh, Insomnium, okay. Maglar, uh, Ulcerate. Uh, yeah, a whole yeah, bunch okay, of bands. Yeah, okay, not, not uh, bad at all. Yeah, yeah. So, and I'm, I'm super lucky to be able to do this. Um, I, I love both aspects, both the business side and the uh, the playing and the touring side of things as well. So, yeah, if I'm not touring and playing, I'm usually touring someone else's band. So, it's good, yeah. So, with the touring and managing, is that just, you know, a way to have something to do when you're not touring with Psychraptic? Uh, is it another revenue stream, you know, or is it just something for fun? Or? Um, yeah, both. I mean, I, I love to stay busy uh, and I've also pretty much just created my dream job. You know, so right. It's, <laughs> uh, um, yeah, super lucky. So, every day, I don't, it doesn't feel like I'm going to work, even though I work as hard as possible all day. Um, it's, yeah, it doesn't feel like work at all. It's cool. Yeah, cool. yeah, man, that sounds awesome, and uh, it sounds like you're, you know, you're able to do a good thing for the, uh, you know, the metalheads out there, out there too. Yeah, it, it's it's a mutually beneficial thing, you know. Um, the more they support the, the shows and the tours I'm involved in, the more I can do, and you know, I wouldn't exist without their support either. So it's, uh, yeah, it's definitely a two way street. All right, man. Well, uh, going back to the uh, Australian metal scene here, I guess, uh, you know, when you were young, uh, starting to get into more of the extreme metal realm, what were the big Australian bands that kind of that you were getting into that were maybe influencing people around you um, that were kind of standing out to you back in the day? Uh, yeah, yeah. So the first bands I was into, um, I can still remember getting the CD, was the Bremelin self-titled CD, which was released in 95. Uh, it just blew my head off. <laughs> very, very uh, heavy death metal. Um, and, you know, fast forward 20 years later, I'm actually playing for them, which is ridiculous. <laughs> and yeah, I still love it. Cool. You know, yeah, every rehearsal, <laughs> I still love it because I'm playing all the songs I grew up grew up with and were influenced by. Um, so there was a Bramalon, uh, Blood Duster, another killer band that I got into early on. Uh, I was, again, fucking super stoked. To, I played with them for a bunch of years. Um Another band was uh, Damaged, um, who released an album called Do Not Spit around 94, I think it was. Really, really ahead of its time, super aggressive crossover between, you know, hardcore death metal. Um, bands like that, you know, uh, Beastial Warlust, Destroyer 666, Crypt, Misery. Yeah, a whole ton of bands. And there's all like, yeah, mid, mid to early 90s Australian extreme metal was, um, yeah, awesome and very influential for me. Okay, yeah. I, I mean, I definitely recognize some of those bands and then some some not as much. Uh, I guess, were some of those bands making waves outside of Australia or was it more of like an insula, insular thing? Yeah, more insular. Um, I guess this is pre-internet. So mo- most of the bands didn't really get outside Australia. I think Nazul have toured a little bit outside and Blood Duster as well. Okay. They're probably, I guess, the most prominent. Blood Duster, I'd say, would be the most prominent. Yeah, yeah, Blood Duster. That's the, that's actually one of the ones that yeah, I recognize. Yeah, yeah. So they did get out because um, they had some albums through Relapse and Seasons Missed. Um, but yeah, pre-internet was very insular. They, they were very popular. All those bands were very popular within 
Australia, but um, they didn't get too... I don't think they got the attention they deserved outside of Australia. Right, right. So which bands, I guess, do you think were the first to actually make that impression, um, you know, outside of Australia and kind of put Australia on the map a little bit more? Um, let me think. Let me think. Um, it was almost psychotic. Um, we we started touring pretty early on, 2004. Um, we were doing some pretty extensive touring. Bands before us, I think Alchemist got outside of Australia before us. Um, I mean, there's always been bands touring, but yeah, you know, say Mortal Sin back in the 80s and 90s, um, but that's more in the thrash metal scene. I, I guess I know a little bit more about the, the extreme metal side of things. Yeah, yeah, and no, I was going to say, um, I mean, Psychoptic is definitely the like probably one of the first bands that I took notice of coming from Australia. So, um, you know, I didn't know if that was just me, you know, maybe missing other bands or if there just hadn't been that many that had made their way over here or made a name for themselves over here yet. Uh, we definitely got some really good opportunities uh, in the, I guess, uh, uh, mid, mid-2000s. We were doing quite a lot of touring, um, but then I guess... The, more recent times, you've got bands like Viard is Murder who are just crushing it, you know, worldwide. They're probably the the hardest working band ever from Australia, f- from the metal scene, for sure. But yeah, the last, I guess the last 10 years, there's been quite an influx in um, bands being able to get out there and um, even if they can't tour, you know, j- just do a bunch of festival appearances, which is great. You know, the internet's opened up so many opportunities for um artists all across the board um so it's it's, it definitely had effect on the the australian metal scene as a whole for sure yeah man it seems like every other every other day you're hearing about some new australian bands and which is which is awesome but uh one of the obstacles that you hear a lot from different bands is the whole issue with finances traveling how you know the obstacles um of, of touring and getting out of australia and making it to these other places i remember I don't know, it might have been two years ago now when CJ, uh, the vocalist from Dieter's Murder, when he left the band, you know, he was talking about just how it almost wasn't even um, feasible as a band to tour and to make money and, and that sort of thing and survive on the road when you're touring from Australia. So is that, you know, something that you guys have seen or that you think is, is a pretty big obstacle, you know, for Australian bands? I mean, it can be if you let it be. Um, that's... Everyone's got choices and everyone's got different levels of um, what they need to get by. So we've, I guess we've, I can only speak for Psychoptic, we we do as much as we can within, I guess, our financial and our <laughs> mental realms. You know, we don't want to tour eight months a year because fucking hate it and get over it. <laughs> but it, it is, it's financially viable for us. So we can go on the road, we can actually make an, an okay income for, for the month or whatever. Um, so it's never really been an obstacle because we've been willing to sacrifice other things. So if you're getting into this style of music and you're from Australia and you want to make and money is your motivator, it's like yeah, just go and get a normal job. But if you don't mind, if you don't mind sacrificing and can live off a little bit less, it's like yeah, of course you can. Like things are only a problem if you make them a problem. Uh, that's that's a, that's always been my philosophy. And yeah, yeah, we've I guess we've been very lucky. We've had a good fan base, good good support. People come to shows, buy merch, um, and we just funnel that back in, and we we buy the expensive plane tickets and the visas and everything like that. But whatever, it's just part of it, you know. Uh, if you want to if you want to do this and when you tour and you want to play music, you just got to do what's involved. Um, so no, for us it hasn't been an obstacle, um, and I could see for maybe younger bands it could be definitely an obstacle because they're like, no, nah, I don't want to sink all the money I have into this. That's fair enough. 
But at times, yeah, we have sunk every single cent into the fucking band that we have <laughs> uh, and come back off tour broke and gone back home and lived with the parents and all that sort of stuff. So that's just, I guess, part of the sacrifice. If, if you want to do it, that's, that can be one of the, the results of actually undertaking it. Now, um, I would never complain ever because this is a privilege. It's not a right to, to do this. So yeah. That's the long answer to your short question. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, man, that's uh, that's good insight because, uh, yeah, we, you know, you, in the in the states here, I guess uh, I don't know. I feel like we've heard that quite a bit, you know, and how difficult that is, and how it's such an obstacle. And you know, I mean, I, I'm sure you know, you know, being a, if you're a young band, it might kind of hold you hold you back, not wanting to, you know, throw throw the money down to go on tour and maybe not make anything but same time you guys did it you know uh, yeah, yeah. People I mean, can too. we've did it and I mean, we've done it and we continue to do it and i'm sure there's a lot of people there's a lot, actually i know that there's a lot of people that are a hell of a lot smarter than me that could figure out more efficient and cost effective ways of doing it so you know if we can do it in our manner then um fuck yeah just work hard just work hard right, and get right. it done. yeah yeah <laughs> right man yeah for sure um another thing that i was wondering about you know with a lot of different metal scenes and region specific um scenes you know you know you have a certain sound you know maybe for example the gothenburg metal sound or you know florida death metal or um you know the, Nor- the norwegian black metal scene all that kind of stuff you know they have a typical sound you know there's there's a lot of differences throughout the countries and all that but you know um, I guess in Australia, is there anything that you would put your finger on as a certain sound um, that you would identify? You know, I know there's a lot of, a lot yeah, of differences, yeah. but anything um, in, in particular? I would say instead of a sound, it's probably more of an attitude. Um, so there's this definite don't give a fuck attitude that comes from a lot of you know, <laughs> Australian bands. You know, as okay. far back as, say, someone like ACDC, you know, they yeah. um, they sound completely different to someone like, you know, a Destroyer 666, but I would argue that they have the same attitude, the same ethos. They're like, this is what we're doing, this is what we love. Sure. Um, so, yeah, so I, I don't think there's a particular sound like the Gothenburg sound because to me that's just like, a bunch of bands ripping off at the gates. It's like, <laughs> fuck. Um, but, you know, you, you couldn't say that someone like, yeah, again, Destroyer uh, is ripping off a band like ACDC, but they still have the same attitude and the same ethos. Yeah. Um, I know some people might think that's a long, bo- uh, you know, a long bow to draw or whatever, but I don't even know if that an, an, an analogy is correct. But, um, yeah, the, the attitude, I can definitely hear it in, in the Australian bands, you know, Blood Duster have got their own attitude. Uh, the Artist Murder have got their own attitude. And they, they don't give a fuck. They do what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's definitely, rather than a sound, I'd say it's, yeah, an attitude. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, that's interesting. I know um, as far as, like, I, I've just been looking at some of the newer bands coming out of there. I mean, even some of your your other projects besides Psychroptic. I, I kind of noticed this... There was a ton of genre combining, which, I mean, you get everywhere, but uh, a lot of blackened themes, you know, running throughout some of the bands, at least some of the bands I was seeing, and a lot of them were kind of, uh, you know, younger, newer bands coming up. But is that something you've ever noticed out there at all? Um, yeah, definitely. There's, I guess we we seem to embrace the darkness a little bit. Yeah. Um, so not not typically in the, the corpse, corpse painted sort of style. You don't have too many bands of 
that are um, using that sort of imagery, mm-hmm. uh, but def- definitely borrowing from black metal bands or just, just yeah, as you said, mixing genres together. Um, uh, yeah, cobbling everything together and creating your own thing. I think that's um, that's that's very common and, and yeah, I guess very encouraged out here. It's like okay. yeah, it's yeah. cool. You know, you you don't have to fit into a scene if you don't want to because yeah. Go fuck yourself. Let's do this. <laughs> Goes back to the attitude, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it, <laughs> I think it, it opens up a little bit of freedom. Um, yeah. I've noticed over the last couple of years particularly, like a, a bigger influx to the more darker styles and heavier styles, which is cool, you know. It's, 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 it's great, you know. There's, there's a lot of killer underground bands out here that would rival anything in the world. Anything you'd want to name drop? Uh, you're putting me on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> if not, no worries. Um, uh, I, I quite like it. There's a band called Colossus. Um, they're quite good. They, I guess they come from a little bit more of a, they would say a hardcore background, but um, okay. they are definitely like a black and death metal. And then you, the other end of the spectrum, there's uh, bands like Nocturnal Graves, who amazing black death metal band. They're killer. They're one of my foes. Um, Denouncement Pyre. They're, again, mm. more in that black and death vibe, but sound, you know, completely different to a band like Colossus. So, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of cool stuff going yeah, on. Yeah, cool. Well, that's definitely – maybe we'll, we'll have to play some of that in the episode. And um, I guess uh, with Psychraptic, though, man, I want to just touch on that before we finish. Uh, you guys put out the last album. It was 2015, uh, you know, killer yeah. album. I really liked it. Um, Thanks. Are you guys working on anything right now or – uh, yes, I've already finished the drum tracking for it, so okay. I would say I don't want to jinx anything, but um, it, the album will be finished by the end of the year um, and released probably mid, early to mid next year. Okay, so not not too yeah. far. Yeah, yeah. Um, so things are coming together, like the artwork. I just received the artwork for it yesterday, and it blew my head off. Um, nice we're halfway through the guitar tracking um yeah so it's it's we're getting there definitely have something out by mid next year and we'll definitely be back in the states by mid next year right on right on is there anything any uh goals you guys had going into this album or anything you guys were trying to do compared to the last one or i know you guys kind of change it up every time a little bit yeah yeah i guess just continuing that progression um i think i guess every album is a slight progression on what we did previously because mm-hmm. uh, I guess that's what we do when we write songs. You know, you're, you're refining your process and you're continuing with the sound and developing, you know, your own sound sort of thing. Um, um, yeah, we, we we just go in and we we want to write and record the, the best possible metal album we can. You know, we're like this every time, you know. Uh, uh, that sounds like a, a cop-out and a very simple goal, but it's, you know, that's what it is. You know, we want to put out something better than we've ever done uh, and, you know, take a step forward. So, yeah, that, that's that's the only real goal. So yeah. it's, it's going to be have our typical sound, I would say, but then, you know, maybe pushing the, the catchiness a little bit further and then pushing the extremity as well, you know, so trying to push all the boundaries. And yeah. the more we learn it, the more we learn in the studio and the more we learn in the writing process and um, the more we time we get to experiment, um, the better the end result. So, um I'm really happy with the how the songs are taking shape thus far. Can't wait to start playing them live. That's great, man, because that was what I did really like about that last album. It, it kept all the technical, interesting, you know, playing, but it was so catchy and stuff that sticks with you, you know, and so that, that'll be cool, man, if we get more of that. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's 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 our favourite sort of stuff. Um, catchy but still intricate. Um, we don't want to lose anyone, but yeah. we want to keep ourselves interested. And um, yeah, yeah, I'm sure you'll dig it. Yeah, awesome, man. Well, thank you so much. Uh, try, uh, you know, not to work too hard. You got a lot going on over there, but uh, good luck with everything, man. No, thanks a lot. Great talking to you. All right, well, I want to thank Dave again. Sounds like an awesome guy. But um, let's just start right into it. Uh, let's just start uh, kind of some of the early extreme metal bands that came from Australia. I'm going to be honest, I didn't really hear a lot of these. You know, you kind of focus on Florida, you know, the Bay Area thrash mm-hmm. and, you know, Sweden. But I never even heard of any of this Australia stuff, and it's pretty good. Yeah, same with me. I was, I was really interested in, to find out, like, some of the early shit. And, I mean, there's some, yeah, some of the early shit's pretty damn good, too. I mean... Stan, did you check out any of that stuff yet or, 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 or no? A couple songs here and there. You know, I was kind of actually really getting into the modern stuff that we kind of want to go mm-hmm. over. One, uh, Disembowelment. I actually really like that. Okay, yeah. Well, that, that's one I really, I definitely wanted to talk about because out of all the Australian early metal, I would say this band is kind of like their, probably their best, their biggest contribution as far as like influence goes. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a name I'd heard around a ton. But to be honest, I never listened to before. But this band, they were dude, they've been around since '89. I think they started actually doing more of it and putting out the the, the, the material like around '93, '94. But um, yeah, they're they're super influential, and I guess they were one of the first bands ever to to really put the death doom thing together. They had they had a background in like the death grinds scene. Uh, they were kind of playing that, and then they combined it with the really slow ass doom. And you get this crazy fucking atmosphere-filled, like gloomy—I don't know—combo, but it's not really like what you would expect from a like what you would hear today from Death Doom. And uh, yeah, we'll play a little bit of this just so you can get the fucking the feel. You're gonna feel like you're in some deep, dark cave, being haunted by something. <laughs>
Yeah, they influenced mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of bands. They only put out one full length, and then they fucking broke up that same year. So it was kind of like release this phenomenal album, and then they were done. That sounds hey, that's not sometimes how it goes. But I mean, yeah. To be honest, I didn't really get a chance to listen to the other stuff. You know, I know you were talking about, uh, what is it, Armored Angel? Yeah, the, I, so we're not going to go too deep into it because, yeah, we're focusing more on the stuff that we just like listening to now. But the other uh, big ones from the early scene was uh, Armored Angel. This was another one of the first extreme slash death metal bands out of Australia. They started off thrash, nothing too, you know, uh, nothing much to talk about with the thrash stuff they were putting out. But by like 93-ish, they started up, on the death metal side of things and so they were yeah kind of one of the first again one of the first death metal bands um in australia and they it's crazy they went from this thrash sound all of a sudden they kind of like morphed into basically like a bolt thrower sound with like i don't know maybe a little bit more melody here and there a little more like a little bit of heavy metal influence here and there but fucking just like crushing riffs huge riffs like really thick low-end sound basically yeah if you're a fan of bolt thrower then you're gonna fucking love it they toured with like morbid angel at the time and yeah they only put out like uh, a few eps again so like another one that just wasn't well known like disembowelment this band they didn't really get the recognition right away it kind of took a while especially armored angel i mean i've never even heard of that before so and i wonder if it's has something to do with like you know geography maybe just yeah i was gonna say people couldn't get stuff from australia because it's so far away and it's like in the middle of nowhere or like well i mean i don't know if i'm jumping the gun here a little bit but i know that um neo recently had to you know do some crowdfunding to fund their tour because Mm -hmm. it's so expensive going 
you know, from Australia, you have to get all your equipment and ship it out there or buy fucking equipment in the States yeah, or wherever you may or may not be touring. He, so He talks about the interview too. So Okay. Yeah. So I'll, I, that's what I thought. So, and I know that he's discussed that a little bit too, but yeah, it's, there's probably, yeah. I mean, shipping like even just demo tapes or whatever, well, it's gotta be yeah. a big reason. It. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I wonder, I wonder too, like what the influences of these early bands in the area was. Like, I guess, what were they able to receive from the states or from Europe? Like, yeah. I guess, you know, back know then, what was how was European, exposure? The European thrash. I know they were definitely getting a lot of that in there. Okay, okay. I know I read that, but um, yeah, I know, like, 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 like Armored Angel. They, I think they, after they were seeing some of that, like death metal come around, that's when they kind of changed ways. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, they, they think they, I think they were getting some of that influence, but I thought, that's what I thought was cool about disembowelment. Though they just like they took a little bit of that influence, but then they did their own thing, which is one of the only ones that I found in the early shit that really kind of did their own full sound. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And then the last band was that uh, I'm just gonna touch on is one of those is one of the thrash bands, probably the biggest thrash band from there. It's called it's a fucking stupid name, dude. Hobbs Angel of Death. Stan, can you guess what they sound like? Um, based on the name. Angel of Death. Oh, Slayer. Slayer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they named it after, obviously, the track one from Rain, of, Rain and Blood. It's actually pretty fucking good, though. It's basically, if you like Slayer, you'll like this. But they were like one of the biggest sla- or biggest thrash bands um, in Australia. Them and Mortal Sin, they both toured with like all the big three, thr- or some of the big three thrash bands. They got out of Australia a little bit. They were doing stuff. But then neither of them last, or I know how Angel of Death, they didn't last long. But um, if you like that kind of stuff and you want to hear some more like unknown uh, thrash from back in the day, it's definitely worth a listen. I mean, it's 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 not like the big four, but it's 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 good. I liked it. I actually got kind of into it. And I'm not the biggest thrash guy, uh, but it's it's cool. So. summary of like the early stuff coming out of australia and then um i figure we can kind of just talk about some of the bands that i guess we like most that we actually find ourselves listening to the most i'm sorry Shaw, i think you wanted to go into that right yeah it's all good it's all good i just wanted to talk about how i guess the uh i guess about 10 years ago some of these bands that we're about to touch on they were i guess i don't know if i'm speaking on your behalf jason i don't think i am but i know for me and stanley over there they were, I mean, Australia was our Sweden or our Finland. That was the country that, you know, me and him, I guess, fucking dove into before we dove into the other ones. So, I mean, you know, bands like Parkway, 
and uh, Carpathian, um, I Killed the Prom Queen, uh, Confession later on. Those were all very, I guess, influential to me and Stan Lee. Yeah, that Both was always more you guys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know it was always, it was me and him, but... I mean, he nailed it on the spot. Very influential. I mean, uh, you know, this is... I, I like the way he put it. This this was our, like, we didn't live in the 90s. We didn't have the, you know, we were two years old when all those great death metal albums were coming out in Florida and Sweden. So, I mean, this was kind of our, it was our gateway into, like, I guess not not extreme, because it was, you know, Parkway and Prom Queen, basic metalcore stuff. But, you know, it kind of, like, yeah, light bulb, like, okay, there's extreme sounding influences in, in these bands. Like, what's, where's this coming from, you know? I remember, like, hearing, like, Prom Queen, I was like, that's fucking awesome. What's their influences? Then you know, kind of got me in the, in the gate at the gates and you know stuff like that. So it opened up a lot oh, of really? doors. These bands, yeah. Oh yeah, okay. for sure. See, I didn't realize that was like the one of the gateways yeah. for you guys. See, I remember when you guys first played that for me. I don't know. I think it was just the time. I think I started moving on to like Opeth and Black Dahlia more. And so I, I think it was did, just yeah. the time. I think it was like it was a little bit too the cleans I didn't like or something. I don't remember exactly because it's been so long, but. I I, per- I, I remember you particularly saying that you didn't like the bitch vocals. <laughs> okay, yeah, <laughs> probably. <laughs> so I think that's probably what it was. So do you guys still listen to that shit now, or is that, are you guys talking about that as like a as just as a gateway or? Oh, I, I, music for for the recently deceased. The I killed the prom queen CD. I mean, I still listen to it. You know, yeah, it's it's a big part of my, you know, my life. Yeah. That and, you know, first couple, no, that and the first couple Parkway CDs. I mean, we talked about Parkway, you know, right, right, a bunch of times, but. I know for me, it was like, I remember seeing Psychroptic like a long time ago, like probably back around like when we maybe Parkway time, but I didn't get super into it until later, more later years. But that that was a band that for me, uh, it made me take notice of Australia for sure. Because, you know, I'm not like the hugest tech death fan, although there are a few bands that I really like. And and Psychroptic is one of those that for me kind of made me want to check a little bit more. And I found a few other bands out through them. And uh, so, so for anybody who hasn't listened to them yet, yeah, just technical death metal. But they're, they're cool because it's not like, uh, it's not just, it's not tech for just tech's sake, you know? It's definitely a little bit more, like they have they have the melodies in there. They have a lot of groove, like Dave, the drummer that we interviewed. Like, he just has a really good sense of groove and shit. So there's always really interesting things to catch on to and stuff. Have you guys ever spent any time listening to Psychroptic? I did, um, you know, the first couple albums are very tech deathy. Oh yeah, you know, you know, and I kind of was. I was like, going to you know, say though, I agree with. Like, I was going to say though, I agree with Jason though, with him saying that it's not like 
technical for you know technicality's sake they have like uh, i don't want to say it's melodic but yeah but they definitely when do, they do get it's while being when, yeah yeah exactly when they get technical they start they're you know it, they're singing they're not just fucking running and tapping and just doing a bunch of shit to play you know fastly they're singing riffs it's something yeah it's melodic but it's not but you're right stan way. the earlier stuff was more tech than the later yes but i mean the one i the the inherited repression mm-hmm. i mean that's one of the coolest albums i've ever heard <laughs> really mean, you thought so <laughs> oh i did yeah that's awesome. i mean it was just like it's just techy, but it's i don't know it's so groovy and it's just like it doesn't hit you like oh this is another tech band like i know you know well okay so the group never got thing, that. you know that the drummer and the guitarist are brothers mm-hmm. and i think it's another one of those situations that we're always talking about where the two brothers in a band do i think they just they lock into it's that fucked groove. up yeah man yeah it's they, fucked it, up they've been jamming together since they've been like you yeah. know little shit fetuses so like they just got it I, it just makes me jealous hearing bands like this, though, because I was like, oh, man, why couldn't my brother go down? He, like, my, I was a guitarist. My brother's a drummer. Why couldn't he go down the metal road? He likes country now, like, you know, so uh, it just kind of sucks. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear you. Yeah, I mean, they, they're cool. Like, if you, if you ever listen to their early shit, it's got a different vocalist. He's a little more guttural, and it's really yeah. cool. But then, um, like, on the last two, I think it is, especially, I know, like, the last one I listened to a lot, the self-titled. It's a newer vocalist, and some people didn't like the change, but I actually really like it. It's a little more shouted, and but it, I don't know. It kind of sounds more like like uh, off the wall, like a little more intense, I guess, like a little more wild. I don't know how to ex- explain it exactly, but I really like it, and I think he really really did an awesome job on the last self-titled. Well, it's, I All guess right. just moved on. Jason made a nice little list for us, you know, some <laughs> stuff to check out. And, and now, Next on the list, I, we definitely need to talk about this band. Uh I thought this was so cool. Really? Uh, King King Parrot? Oh, yeah. Dude, I thought for sure you were going to hate this. No, that's just thumb. Like, I get this is on my notes right now. Thumbs up, Grindcore. I'm sorry. Oh, really? okay. But I just, the riffs, though, were too good. Dude, I you mean, guys are I throwing me. I didn't get a chance to listen. I mean, obviously, we got a lot of stuff to talk about, so I didn't get a chance to listen to every CD, but I listened to Butt Your Head Off. 
Yeah, and it's a good one. It was a, just a fucking good grindcore CD. Not, I wouldn't say nothing special, but just good grindcore. I see. I thought Shoddy might like this stand. I didn't think you were going to like the the swagger element because they have a lot of fucking attitude in there. I was like, Stan's not going to be yeah, into that. Yeah, it's not the same, though, as the, the swagger I don't like, though. This is just, okay. like, they can do it, kind of, you know. See, that, yeah, the Bite Your Head Off, that was, I think, their first album. And then they it have was. two yep. after that. And uh, actually, they have one from this year called uh, Ugly Produce, Ugly Fruit, something like that. And um, it's it's awesome, too. But I know you said nothing special, which I would kind of agree. But at the same time, like you said, Grind. And it's definitely grind, but isn't it kind of like different than most grind you would hear? It's it's very death influenced with the riffing. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I just can't pass up the riffs and then the fucking dude's vocals. Like I love the guys, Matt yeah. Matt Young. He's so fucking wild, dude. It's just like a wild Australian running around. You're like getting fucking, I don't know, dude. It's like rapid fire kind of vocals, and I don't know if he does the death shit too, because he kind of does that crazy ass higher pitched register. Mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying but then someone's doing some low shit in there too uh so i, I don't know but you know i guess it's a side note like looking at all these bands we talked about it was just it was very i was surprised how diverse australia had you know mm-hmm. i always knew about like the hardcore scene metalcore you know but i didn't realize there was so much like like you said a black influence or yeah you know a grindcore band that's pretty you know big and this is interesting yeah no for 100 percent but we were talking about like the blackened stuff and i guess the band that kind of is most known as like a, as a blackened you know they're more known for blackened thrash but destroyer 666 oh yeah
I mean, like I said, a, a lot of different black and influence. And I don't know if that be- is because of, you know, you have a band like them where it's the, more of the black and thrash stuff. But I mean, they the main dude, the main vocalist was from the band Bestial Warlust. And I guess they were one of the first war metal bands. It's another one of those bands, I guess, another Australian band that kind of was one of the pioneers of something. And it was and it, war metal. It's just a different form of super nihilistic black metal with like a really fuck it black or thrashy kind of a vibe and that's where uh the vocalist and and is from from uh destroyer and so i don't know if maybe that's where you hear a lot that's why maybe you hear a lot of the blackened shit throughout it you know you have bands like that that kind of started that and then destroyer was kind of huge for australia so i don't know if that's why you'll get a lot of blackened stuff if you kind of go through band camp these days but i know you're you're pretty big on that album right shoddy destroyer yeah no i thought it was a real good album i mean i i remember giving it you know quite a bit of a listening to it was just uh, I guess what's the the best way to put it? So like you said, it's it's that blackened thrash influence, but it's like the perfect mix of the two of them, where it's like a fun listen. I yeah, agree, dude. I guess like super I high energy. I would, yeah, exactly. That's the word that I'm looking for because they don't do. I don't want to. I don't want to take shit for this. It's not like they do anything really that like over the top or anything mm-hmm. that special. But it's like that perfect blend of being like. I don't want to say party metal, you know, music. Yeah. No, but you're right, it's though. It's party mixed with, like, that blackened. So it's just, yeah, it's the perfect, like, atmospheric shit for just having a good time, I guess. Yeah, I would agree 100%. I, I thought it was a great album. I, I never got into them a whole lot, but the one from last Neither, year I thought was fucking it, great. Yeah, dude, exactly. Neither did I. I just seen it, and I was like, oh, that's a cool name, honestly. And I really liked the album art. So I was like, fuck it. And then I honestly, I remember seeing Australian was like, oh, what is this? But then, yeah, after listening to that album, seeing that they had, a, you know, pretty big following and they had a discography behind them i never dove into it but yeah no i did i did enjoy that album too i remember checking it out i was like okay it's okay you know i didn't i didn't go back to it for this episode because i know i listened to it before but it's one of those things i gotta go back to when i get time yeah but that's the problem with everything no time yeah well regardless they're definitely an influential aussie band to to check oh, out one yeah, of the very, bigger ones. Very big. Can we, you know, jump into some of the more, uh, you know, progressive technical shit and get into like some Bellacore? Yeah, dude.
<laughs> no, yeah, I mean, I mean, there's I nothing really to say. <laughs> yeah, I really don't know where to start. My, I mean, we fucking. I, this is my like n- the last couple of years like my new favorite band kind of like this. I just love is fucking really? Melacore. They're just they're just so fucking good. Dude, yeah, I completely agree with you. Like, I can never hit like next on on a song when like one comes on during you know in shuffle or whatever. So, and then if I listen to an album, it just goes all the way through so i was gonna say i think it was on at least your both of your guys's end of the year list last year yeah vessels, yes, vessels was, was. was was top five and for both me and stan maybe top three actually on both of our lists and i loved it but i think i, I think, left it off my list but even the album before it too of what's it called uh of breath and bone yeah yeah well that's yeah, so that. so i guess real quick we got exposed to them last year with vessels or i guess that was my introduction to them i think one of the beautiful listeners that we have out there recommended them maybe yeah, yeah. i think that's I actually, probably I did what have it was the other one but after he told us about it i went back and listened to it more and then this album came out after that uh, okay see i had net vessels was my introduction and then, i mean which is an amazing album but i i think of breath and bone is better but i don't I, know if, I, I think stan agrees with me on that one too I do, and you know, I, I kind of, I yeah, I got, I heard of vessels coming out, and you know, there's a little bit of hype behind it, so I was like, but I couldn't find it the download, so, but I did find a breath and bone, and I was kind of oh, glad I did. You maybe butcher. that's, maybe that's why, you know, maybe that's why I like it more because it was my first, you know, I listened to that I, I before feel. vessels. Uh, so I see what you're but, saying. I mean, both amazing albums. Just it's just good melodic death metal, but like with that progressive influence. Yeah, it's cool because it's not like they're doing necessarily melodic death metal totally new. You know, they're taking stuff that's kind of there. They're kind of maybe a little more insomnium-ish, you know. Well, I was going like, to say, somber. there's a lot of ambiance there. Ambiance, exactly. Of, yeah, they do a lot of building up. But they're, yeah, exactly. The building up, I was going to say, they're all about, it's all about like the feel with them. You know what I mean? It's it, it's not like they're doing necessarily new shit, but they're taking the melodic stuff, and every track has so much fucking dynamics in them, and there's a lot of motion in it. It's, it's, yeah, it just sounds like high-quality fucking melodic death metal. If you're looking for fast, quick, three-minute songs, this is not, not the band to look yep, for. You're yeah. talking about eight-minute songs that are just taking on a journey. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's definitely... They're building... They're they're painting pictures. It's not... It's, it's not something to sit back metal, and I take guess. it in, you know? It's, exactly exactly so i guess the next one speaking like kind of the longer songs progressive shit it, it neab abba viscaris probably the next yep. one to go into right yeah yep yep that's what i was gonna hint at too yeah getting into some neo we'll just say neo from here out yeah so i yeah that's just i just have that habit now because i don't know how to say yeah <laughs> is it abba viscaris i just you got i don't know viscaris, so. i don't know dude <laughs> abba viscaris yeah who knows whatever so just whatever yeah i found out about these the cool guys a people, few couple years ago years ago i I don't know you showing me yeah yeah i I remember thinking you at least shoddy would definitely be into it just because it's so they're so fucking good man especially like the violin work and whatnot
rooted in blackmail, but it's definitely not blackmail. I mean, I really, can, I definitely, I, mean? I definitely get that. But that's the thing, though, is like you, like you just said, it's rooted in it, and you can definitely like pick that part out. But it's not black metal by any means. Yeah. And I feel like it's because of the violin work, and it's because of the harmony that the guitar and the violin have, where it like elevates it out of being, I guess, that heavy dark mm-hmm. music. Yeah, it's cool because like they could definitely go on tour with like an enslaved or a, I don't like they toured with Cradle of Filth. Like they could definitely do those black oh, metal yeah, tours, but yeah, then like yeah. they could also tour with like Between the Barrier to Me. Ex- oh, the exactly. Yeah, element. they would fit perfect. Yeah, exactly. Who are, I, who are they touring with now? Currently, uh, Allegiant. Yeah, I know they're coming to the states with Allegiant. Oh yeah, they're coming. Yeah, yeah, and see, and that would be that's a beautiful, you know. Uh, harmony between the two of mm-hmm. them. Allegiance, you know, a little bit heavier, but they're still melodic and still technical. And then you got fucking, yeah, this more blackened, you know, technical melodic sound. It's just beautiful metal, dude. I mean, I played them on during uh, the yeah. beautiful metal episode. It's just stuff that yep. you can sit back. The it's good for too. driving. I can you know? play. I can play it with the, you know, with the wife. You know, because she, you know, there's elements that she can pick up on. It's not so, you know, it's. I guess it's more accessible. I guess if I had to have somebody listen to something from Australia, I guess that was more accessible from the metal mm-hmm. realm. This is what I would tell them to go put on. Oddly enough, you're probably right, even though it's pretty heavy at times. Like it's, it's got but that. Still though, that you can you can grasp that you know that violin when it comes in, and there are the clean vocals there, and it's not like you know they throw them in here and there. I mean, there's a good harmony of clean mm-hmm. and heavy. So, I mean, they do a really, I mean, I hate to keep using the word beautiful in a fucking metal podcast, but they really do a beautiful job, you know, making that brutal yet harmonic blackened Mm -hmm. blend of music together. So I can't, I'm looking forward to seeing them live when they come to my city here. Yeah. So it's definitely something I can't wait for. I, I think it's cool too, because they have the progressive prog metal tag probably, you know, but but that's they not don't, them. It's not like, you know, you don't want to think of like a dream theater or even an opeth. They're a little more like restrained. Like they're not just going crazy on the on the guitar or even the violin. Everything is like restrained and like it's all based calculated. on the song. Yeah, calculated. It's all about building a song up or like, you know, more like the emotion or the feel as opposed to like we're going to fucking go crazy with some crazy old school progress you know what i'm saying it's progressive but it's not like it's prog is what you would in the in the negative term i guess i think that's what's cool about it they just they know how to be restrained about it but they got a new album out coming uh, october 31st so um and like i said we got the interview with tim the violinist so we go into quite a bit there so i definitely love them they're definitely one of those that i i'll be following for a while now oh i like i said dude i can't wait for them to come to my city i am very much looking forward to uh, that concert. Okay, so I the other couple on here I, I threw on here, but I'm not the biggest fan of. I don't know if you guys listen to the next two or not. Virgin's Crown? Yeah. Yeah, not yet, yeah I not. feel like good deathcore. I mean, yeah. go for it. I just wasn't about my alley. Mine either. So it's just, it's just not, I guess, as hard as like a thy art. So, exactly. So that's why I guess if when if I'm gonna listen to you know deathcore, I'm gonna lean towards thy art. I mean, leaving you know the the country of Australia, I would listen to you know um, who am I thinking of right now? A fit for an autopsy kind of a band. Mm-hmm. So it's just I guess if you wanted a little bit lighter with some of the just traditional deathcore sound, exactly. There you go. It's not bad. It's yep. just yeah, it was my exa- just, exact same thought. I was I was looking for a breakdown. I was first I listened to them, and then I was like. <sighs> Then I put on Die Art, and I was like, yeah, we're going with Die Art for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. So so let's go. I, 
do you guys want to move into like some of the shit like the more underground stuff now uh yeah, yeah like are we talking about like uh we're gonna get into the the Eminetta? yeah anything yeah anything that's uh so so i mean those are the bands that if you're a big metal fan you might have you might already know about the ones we were just talking about there but then i know me i i dug into Bandcamp and tried to find just some stuff that's not so well known that is worth talking about so yeah shoddy so you so you, so you checked out uh I don't know how you say if it's or, yeah. Amentia or Amenta. Uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know. You might be right with the Amentia. I mean that was that was courtesy of you. Thank you very much. But yeah, dude, they're fucking honestly. That's a weird sound for me to hear coming out of Australia because that's like a I don't I don't want to butcher it. Yeah, but it's kind of blackened industrial. I was gonna say yeah, it's more on the blackened side, but they have that like speed there. They like they don't fuck around, so it's not like most black and white I feel like there's that heavy sound to it they're they're light and they get into that like melodic shit a little bit especially when they solo I don't know I don't listen to much black and shit so maybe all of it kind of sounds like that I just felt like with them I don't know I loved the album Did I you? loved it a lot I thought the drumming on it was fucking phenomenal and I really 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 liked the guitar work I just felt like sometimes yeah. it was a little sporadic but that's what I liked about it so they would go into shit and then it would clean out for a second and then they'd fucking start like riffing again so, I don't know. I just thought it challenged me as a listener. I really liked it. That came out this year, didn't Yeah, it? I don't know what... Um, there, was the la- there was definitely an album that came out this year or last year. They have a lot of albums, though. I, I listened to few. Flesh's Air, and that was the one I really enjoyed. Okay. I don't know why... I, I'm sorry, I don't know what year it was, but... um, Yeah, I don't know. It's just like... I kind of getting into this whole... They definitely has an industrial influence on stuff yeah it definitely does and I'm, I'm getting into that sound that extra noise and i'm kind of digging it like it's, it's new to me so i'm digging it so for sure you sent us that link to uh this other industrial death metal band yeah it's it's more i would say more of an industrial grind core it's definitely more of the grind what was the name again but i mean it's called the berserker okay right 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 yeah, and they, I, I mean, they got like, to listen to them. they got like, I know I just sent it to you guys today, but uh, I apologize for that. But I mean, they got five albums out and um, 
The one I like so far the most is Animosity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that was their fourth one, but um, it's just like it's just rapid. Like I mean, they use drum machines, so I mean the beats per minute can go you know mm-hmm. infinity. Like you know, so they can just do whatever they want, and like it's just got heavy industrial noise and influences into it, and it's just all new to me. So I was really enjoying that one. liked it it was weird as fuck i'm not the biggest fan of like the industrial stuff but i liked how they did it um mm-hmm. especially on that album i went and checked out a few of the newer things and some of it got a little too like electronic i guess but when yeah. they kept it more like industrial i was more into it like it kind of reminded me of maybe like that's... a now on the throck kind of thing kind of but more death yeah. metal more grind so maybe that's why i like that cd the most because it was the most death metal-ish mm-hmm too so but i definitely recommend it's animosity it's a berserker yeah if you're looking for something kind of more that route i mean it's got a pretty good production and yeah it it was it's definitely unique i'd never heard of them before and it was kind of cool for sure oh i was gonna say um that band shot the mencha or menta that actually dave haley the drummer from psychraptic he's played on a few of the albums not all of them i know on like one or two for sure he's drummed on them this other band called ruins this is one of my favorites uh that i've checked out and again, I didn't realize this at first, but he plays on this band too. Um, but he's more involved, I guess, on this one. With his brother as well. I think, isn't that just one of their other bands? Yeah, well, it started off just Dave and this other dude, the main songwriter. He's the vocalist and guitarist uh, for the first like two or three albums. And then you're right, um, Dave, Dave's brother, who's also in Psychroptic, joined live and then joined for the last two albums. Oh, okay. And... Um, the last album is probably my favorite, and I don't know if that's because he, they're all on it together or what, but wow, it's fucking sick. It's it, Again, it's like a black, it's more than just black, and it's more of a black metal, but with like uh, emphasis on the riffs, and, and it definitely has like a lot of death metal in it, and thrash and that kind of shit, but it's a little more than I would say like blackened, I guess, I don't know, to, to be it's specific. It's a black metal album, Yeah, sure. right, right. Yeah, exactly. It probably really is more of just a black metal album. You're right. I like that. I mean, it's, good. it's a good black metal. I mean, if I'm going to listen to the brothers, I'm going to go listen to Psychroptic. But. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, well, Undercurrent is the album that I really dug into quite a bit. It came out, uh, came out last year, and uh, the song that I, that I, I really wanted to play uh, was called Faust. And it just has everything that I really like about it. I mean, even if you're not a black metal fan, I would definitely say there might be something you'd like in it because, dude, it's just it's super groovy and riffy, this song especially. And the vocals aren't something that's like hard to get used to, I don't think. I mean, no, not at all. Right, right. Let's play it real. Let's play it real quick. because I didn't get a chance to listen to them. So, yeah, go ahead and hit it.
Damn, I wish I would have listened to this. <laughs> yeah, that's that's definitely some good shit. I'm gonna have to go back to that. So yeah, yeah, dude. I yeah, mean... like Stan, like Stan said, dude. Fucking, I wish you could buy time or some shit. There's just so much good music. Yeah, that's not an excuse though. That's I, the thing. I'm we're slapping not myself. We're not, you know, we're not trying to do like a full on every yeah, band yeah. of Australia. We're just doing some cool shit. We. You know, we we're just throwing out yeah. some love to the country, pretty much. Exactly. I mean, it's fucking they're yeah they're they're in a realm of their own when it when it comes to you know diversity and and the music scene. It's it's very unique out there. So if we're throwing love around. I gotta throw love out right now. <laughs> I think I found one of my mo- no, most new favorite people on the earth, Valtteri. Valtteri. Yeah. Oh, dude. Like Oh my yeah. god. Be- yeah, well I mean before you even get into it, you know Stan fucking likes a band cuz we have a little group text message usually going and it's basically me and Shoddy just fucking talking all the time. Stan is yep, like yep. anti once in a while. phone text Non-existent. message. Non-existent. But I all mean, of you a sudden you would think that it's just me and Jason. <laughs> yeah. If all of a sudden Stan pops out after not speaking for probably weeks <laughs> <laughs> blowing his load about Valtari. So, yeah, this Stan obviously was into this band. Oh God! You don't even know. Stan, <laughs> Stan, let's hear it. Let's hear the breakdown. How? What? What, what would you describe them as being? Like? They're I'm. They're straight up like Scandinavian metal. Mm-hmm. You know, melodic death metal. But I mean, I don't know. It's just done so right. But it. The one thing that blows my mind is how good the songs are written, and it's it's one dude. So I play drums, guitar, bass. I mean, and sings. This guy's a badass vocalist. First of all, oh, I the love riffs those are vocals. Killer. The riffs are absolutely killer. The drumming's fast. I, I mean, and then, but on top of it, just the songwriting, like the transitions are perfect. I mean, this is the band I always wanted to, you know, be in or be part of or create. Like, this is this is it. Like, this is how well I know you. Like, when, seriously, when I listened to this, my first thought was, I cannot wait to show Stan this. And this is a band that Stan, like, I could see you, like, kind of being in this band. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I mean, it's just, it was perfectly down my alley but i mean i was just amazed by it and uh, although i i do have to call out this motherfucker this marty warren his uh his notes on the band uh the band camp page say uh written performed recorded mixed and mastered by marty warren between september and december of 2013 you did all of this in like fucking what <laughs> four fucking months or whatever it was like are you serious damn no, i'm yeah, exactly. That's what Damn. was going through my mind. Damn. Like, you got to be fucking kidding me, man. You wrote this between September and December of one year? Damn. <laughs> it's cool because, again, it's kind of like Bellacor where it's nothing new per se, but they, but it's got a little bit of everything. It's kind of like anything melodic death metal. It's like this guy's just probably a huge fanboy of melodic death metal. I mean, it's got like insomnia. It's got... I don't know. I was uh, thinking like a uh, little dissection some, here and there, a little dark uh, tranquility here and there, a little, little bit flames. of Amon, a little bit of Amon as, as oh, well. Yeah. Like this. Yeah. You just got, I mean, he pretty much is, like you said, nothing new, but he's mixing a bunch of the shit that he loves. And it's just, I, like Stan said, dude, but I loved it. It's one fucking dude. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, guess I just I can't. Didn't, I, I didn't realize that it was one dude until earlier on today. I only listened to Hunter's Pride, and I probably listened to it like maybe six okay. times through in the last like two days. So Damn. I'm glad yeah, I actually kind of. I will say I'm glad I kind of waited to listen to this one 
so later on because it would just uh, that's all I li- pretty much listened to today. I didn't really <laughs> listen to a lot else. So I mean, I, once I seen that, I kind of didn't give anything else a chance. So it was yeah. good that it was later on, but I definitely recommend this first album. Really, over Hunter's Pride. I liked it, but at Hunter's Pride, was, I would like a little bit more. I think frag- it's more fragments of a nightmare. Yeah, and I think it, uh, okay. the I didn't is it's more it of like the standard melodic mm-hmm. death metal. Did it? You're right. You know, it's just really good riffing. The Hunter's Pride he switches it up definitely. 100. It's good. But. Okay, so yeah, it's so so that's fragments what I didn't like is a little about bit the other less diverse, I guess. Yes, and okay. Johnny, I think you'll like it more just for that reason as well. Like when well, I was I'm listening like to it, it more than Hunter's. Yeah. When I was listening to oh, it, I was okay. like, "Oh, there's the at the gates riff. There's the this riff." It, again, Stan, you're right. It's like it, it is. It's it's much more like just firmly rooted, and it, it's still really good. But this 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 last one, I thought was a little more him. You know, like taking it and like yeah. making it his own a little more. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that's what I liked about it. But just once again, one fucking dude. Like I don't <laughs> know how you do that. Like and dude, his like his even like that's what I mean. Like he can write those awesome melodic. Every song has a catchy melodic riff in it. And then the vocals, like, like they're so uh, Killer. intense. Every song just sounds like it's like he's going 100% on the vocals. So it gives it a, a huge amount of energy, which is awesome. I think that's what kind of like, you know, without those vocals, it would still be good. But you take the melodic riffs and these killer vocals and it. It just work, it definitely works really well. Mm-hmm. Yep. New favorite band. Yeah. Well, I was, I've got one more band that I just need to mention before we before we stop and everything. Okay. And it's actually, it's not, I, I probably should have talked about them earlier. They're not a necessarily an underground new band. They're actually an older band, but I've never heard of them. And I don't know if a lot of people outside of Australia really know about them that much, but they're called uh, Alchemist. And they've been around for a long time, but I don't know. I don't know if you guys would be into it or not. They're very unique it's like people call them progressive death metal but it's pretty it's a pretty vague term because they take like a little bit of progressive death metal but they add in all this like psychedelic middle eastern like tribal experimental kind of shit like i don't even know how to explain it i wrote down like you could put them on a tour with like neurosis and gojira 
I don't know if that makes sense, but... It kind of. It kind of makes sense. Maybe I'll play a clip and you guys tell me if you would be into it or not. Some ball and shit. You liked it? Oh yeah. Uh, I guess let me rephrase that. Yeah, I really like that shit, dude. What? You got a problem? <laughs> no, I just really I I enjoyed it too. Actually, the riffs are pretty cool. It's got a little hardcore different. vibe to it. That's what no, I got. I was really cool. digging the. Uh, I was really digging the what's it called? Uh, that like Middle Eastern kind of like ethereal feel that it mm-hmm. had with that like drown out vocals. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I was really really digging it, dude. So so do we get a lot of that kind of style, or is it all over the place? Yeah. They're fucking, they're weird, because that is from their last album they put out. It's called Tripsis. I think it was in 2010, the same year they broke up. And uh, uh, okay. and, and that album, that song is pretty, it gives a good idea of that album. It's, a, it's pretty aggressive, but it has those cool melodies and stuff. But if you go back a little bit, there's one album called Organism or or something like that. Um, they're older, the mid mid-period. Yeah, dude, it's super experimental. All kinds of weird Middle Eastern shit and like really just weird use of just different instruments and psychedelic stuff. And but yet, you know, it always has that aggression in there. It's just cool stuff, man. It's good stuff to put on again when you're like maybe driving for a while or something where you can really just kind of sit there and listen to it. Full album. You got to listen to like a full album. Oh, okay, okay. So wait, hold on. Does it is it like does it is it written to listen to be listened to as a full album yep, or just yep. does it work? A lot of them are like concept ah, okay, and stuff. Okay. I didn't. Ah, I mean, you know, yeah. I've only been listening to them since we were looking up this episode, so I don't. You know, I don't know a ton of stuff I, yet, but I, I'm definitely gonna go back a lot because they're dude. I'll I mean, they got out of Australia and stuff. They toured around and stuff. I mean, I don't hear that name come up too much. Uh, neither do I. If you like anything, like I said, a little neurosis or progressive stuff that you you kind of have to you know sit there and, and just listen to i would recommend Funk, it for sure so that that's my last pick did you guys do you guys have any other ones that you wanted to mention before we stop i think we covered most of it yeah there were some other yeah, ones cool. there were some other ones that i like that i listened to but i'm not going to go into now but 
Colossus with a V for the U at the end was Dave talked about that. So, you, you know, um, Denouncement Pyre was a really sick black metal band that I found from Australia. There is a lot of good shit, you know, if you dig in on Bandcamp a little bit or just look around. But those are some of our favorites for sure. So, yeah, we'll stop it there so you guys can can check out the uh, interview with Tim from, from the Oblivascaris. And, and, and again, we talked about a little bit more. He threw out a few a few more Australian bands. So by the end of this episode, you should have a, quite a bit to, to go listen to for sure from Australia. Yep. Well, I think that wraps it up. Um, I want to thank, what was his name, Chris? Yeah, Chris Shervey. Thanks, dude, so much for all the help and recommendations. Yeah, so this has been, it's been a really fun episode, and I really enjoyed it, you know, seeing all these new bands, so just bring them our way. But it's been another episode of Into the Combine. I'm your host, Stan the Man. Jason. And I'm Shadi. Ah, oh, stay metal, mate. <laughs> <laughs> So what was it like for you, you know, growing up, I guess, as a metalhead in Australia? You know, was there certain bands that you were influenced by or looking at or, um, you know, into that were Australian or was it bands outside of Australia that were getting you more? Um, I guess it was definitely a bit of both. I mean, uh, you know, when, you know, when I was in high school, you know, I, I was, uh, you know, following a lot of Australian artists, including you know, some metal bands from from Sydney, which was where I was uh, going to high school at the time. Um, you know, bands like uh, you know, Segression and Cryogenic, and um, bands like this. And then, you know, when I kind of moved down to Melbourne, you know, after I finished high school and started to get involved with the scene down here, you know, there was this um, you know fantastic scene of bands that slowly developed over time. You know, including um, you know, Psychroptic and the Amenta. Uh, and uh, another great, um, like you know, jazz fusion metal band called Alarum, um, and uh, so there's a few of these bands that I was I was really big fans of and would always try to catch their shows, but the the scene wasn't that wasn't that big at that time. I mean, there was really not that many bands that could pull more than a couple hundred people. I mean, maybe a decade ago, maybe the only band that was above that was maybe Psychroptic, you know, coming from the world of like you know extreme metal, mm-hmm. but. Um, you know, but the, I mean, the, the other stuff though was, uh, you know, all the all the big international stuff. You know, obviously was a, 
a big fan of, you know, bands like, you know, Dream Theater and Opeth and Emperor, you know, those sort of wide variety of, of different international acts. But the reality was, was that that was a lot of the stuff that I listened to, but a lot of those bands very rarely came to Australia. Um, and so, you know, if you wanted to see live metal, it was mostly going to local shows um, back then, you know, it's changed quite a lot now. You know, now most bands have worked out that Australia is a pretty cool place to tour, and they add it to their, uh, you know, world tour schedule. But um, you know, uh, back then, you know, and back in the early two thousands, it it definitely wasn't that wasn't that way then. Yeah, it's it's cool. It seems to be that, especially over here, we we keep seeing every year. It seems like more and more Australian metal bands that you know are popping up on our, our radar and getting a lot more coverage. You know, you guys being definitely one of them. Um, does it seem to be a big, sh- you know, shift in that, you know, Australian bands getting out more and, and, and getting a little more coverage and, and maybe more of a boom over there? Yeah, absolutely. And it's really across all heavy genres as well, you know, like going back maybe a decade or so. I mean, there really weren't a lot of Australian metal bands that were doing significant things internationally. You know, there was a few bands that had occasionally got, you know, overseas you know, um, you know, maybe bands like, uh, you know, Alchemist and Vanishing Point and, you know, they maybe played a few big European festivals or things like that, but these weren't bands that regularly toured internationally. Um, you know, it was more one-off things, whereas now, I mean, there's just so many great Australian bands, to be honest, um, and, and across all different heavy, heavy genres, you know, from like uh you know australia has a lot of the the biggest and best hardcore bands going around like you know parkway drive and north lane and amity affliction and um uh, polaris is a new one that's coming who's it was amazing and then on the heavy rock and progressive front you know there's carnival and 12 12 foot ninja and Kali yours horse and sleep makes waves and all these really cool bands and then on the metal side you know there's a bunch of bands who've been doing a significant amount of touring i mean psychoptic have been doing it for years i mean they were kind of the ones that really, I guess, led the way, you know, in some sense internationally. But, um, you know, lately it's been obviously us and, um, you know, King Parrot have been doing an enormous amount of touring internationally. But there's been a lot of other bands that have been getting out there and getting on some great tours, um, which has been just really fantastic to see. And it's definitely something that wasn't the case a few years ago, but it seems like you know, I, I'm probably, I guess, with the advent of the internet, I would say that a lot of people have realized that we have some pretty amazing bands down here and, uh, you know, want to want to get to know them and, and see them live to, like everyone else. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. A lot more access. We're able to kind of seek out more bands. I know that's what we've been doing for this episode is searching out just underground Australian metal, things like that, that maybe hasn't toured here. But, you know, you can get on Bandcamp and find, you know, a lot of stuff in five minutes, which is pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. And and there really is a lot of depth to the Australian scene. And, you know, like I was kind of saying before, it's, it's kind of not just one genre. Like we don't have like one one scene or genre that really, um, you know, is the only thing that we're good at here in Australia. Um, and I mean, you just look at the different bands that are doing well, you know, bands like Nailbo Skyros and King Parrot and Psychoptic from more the extreme metal side. And those bands have nothing in common (laughs) at all, you know, with their sounds. Um, there isn't really an Australian sound. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, if anything, it's just, uh, you know, that, that ability maybe to be ourselves a bit more, maybe it's because we are on the other side of the world and a bit of a smaller country in comparison to, to places like the U.S. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Is you know We've heard a lot about the difficulties with touring, you know, being from Australia, being so far from everything else. Is that something that you guys have come across coming up as a band? Is hard to get out and get to the places you want to get to? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was one of our big challenges. You know, when we put out Citadel at the end of 2014, it was very much a case of going, um, okay, well, great. You know, we've got, you know, a fan base now internationally on some level, but how the hell do we get the money so that we can <laughs> go see, you know, go and play for everybody? Um, you know, I mean, we've solved that in a couple of different ways. In 2014, you know, we did a a crowdfunding campaign for our world tour, which was, um, you know, really the the first of its kind at, the, at that level for for a metal band trying to crowdfund an entire world tour, and that was really successful for us. You know, we we actually got in over eighty six thousand Australian, which was amazing and far beyond our expectations, and that gave us the money so that we could then invest it in, you know, going and playing in Europe the first time and coming to America. You know, like we use that money to help. You know, uh, when we got to the U.S. being here last year, when we were opening for Cradle of Filth, and you know all this sort of stuff. But I guess then the issue from there was as well that we then realized that you know there's a lot of different steps in in the music industry and a lot of, like a lot of different rungs on the ladder. And even though we were starting at fans internationally, the reality was that there is a period in a band where you're able to get on some big tours, but you're not going to get paid shit mm. <laughs> and uh a great opportunity to do those tours but you know the bigger bands you know aren't, it's not kind of worthwhile paying you good money yet and uh, the problem being an australian band is you know like we're coming over to the u.s you know, really soon you know we land on the 28th of october and um you know for us like with you know the six people in the band and like the uh you know our sound engineer that's seven people and it costs us about five thousand dollars just for the visas and it costs us about another ten thousand dollars for the flights and so before we even started the tour we're fifteen thousand dollars in debt and we have to then slowly over the course of a tour make enough money to uh to get that money back and if you're getting paid a, you know one or two hundred dollars a show which you know a lot of support bands get paid um it that's just impossible so for an australian band you kind of do those tours going okay well, we're going to do this and we're going to lose 20 grand or 30 grand or whatever and we're going to do it in it as an investment and that's kind of where that crowdfunding money went you know investing into tours where we were losing money but we were getting a lot of fans um you know when that money started to run out we ended up using um you know the u.s based you know platform patreon to basically you know connect with our fans in a more ongoing basis and that's really been the the shift for us in being able to do this you know ongoing you know because it's instead of having this kind of finite amount of money from a crowdfunding campaign you know the band's now starting to get bigger we're now starting to make money on some tours and we've also got this you know patreon money to help uh you know help things along the way as well that's amazing and that's that's super that's a super cool idea i mean I know we're big supporters of the Patreon platform and all that. It seems like a great idea. I know some people kind of, for some reason, uh, look down on it here and there. But I mean, you're you know you're able to pull from the fans that want to support you, and I think that's really cool that you're able to kind of fulfill that for them. You know, they're they're paying for you basically to come out there, which is uh, it's a really cool idea. You got to be getting pretty excited. I know that album's coming out at the end of October here. Uh, I know I've heard the f- first three songs so far, which so far yeah are amazing as always um so i guess moving into that album a little bit was there anything that you guys went into the recording and writing that you were focused on or that you wanted to kind of change a little or tweak on this album compared to the last two i mean songwriting wise not really um we we don't really talk that much about uh the songwriting style or direction or anything like that We, we never really have we just try and write and then it's very much, hey, do you guys like this? And it's a yes or a no. And 
and and that's how we do it. You know, we try not to overthink it, and and you know, we've been really conscious to make sure that we just ignore what everyone else thinks and ignore any expectations or anything like that, and just make sure that we just make music for us. You know, create the the, the best album that we possibly can, and then we put it out to the public, and and then we you know work out how to market and make sure people hear it but you know on when we're focused on that music on that artistic side you know we just uh yeah tr- really try not to overthink it and just try to create music that we love and and that's how it came out um i mean i guess like on the production side of things there are definitely a few things that we did want to change you know uh we we really liked the first two albums but we did feel that the production was not as heavy or extreme as the band comes across live you know we felt like a lot of people would remark that they were a bit surprised at how intense the live shows were. And we felt that that was maybe in part due to the, the way they've been produced and, and mixed. And so, you know, we enlisted, you know, Mark Lewis to, to mix the record, you know, who's more well known for, you know, doing bands like, you know, Devil Driver and Black Dahlia Murder or Fallujah and Cannibal Corpse. I mean, lots of really, you know, heavy as fuck stuff. <laughs> um, but at the same time, you know, really super talented guy and um, someone that was really passionate about what we were, what we wanted to do with this record. And um, and that was the thing that just made it so exciting to work from him. So, you know, the end result is really quite different. You know, the, I mean, the guitar tones, you know, the drum tones, you know, even, um, you know, the, the clean vocals I actually recorded in Florida with Mark Lewis. And, you know, that definitely I felt had a positive impact. And you know, he was really great to work with. I mean, all these things, you know, came out differently. And a lot of that was through, through that process of, you know, working with Mark Lewis on this record. And I guess he had trying to make it a bit more, um, make the heavy stuff heavier while at the same style at the same time still leaving space for, you know, the melodic and progressive stuff and all those little details to come through. Yeah, yeah, and you were mentioning the clean vocals recording that with Mark. I noticed that at least on the singles, the clean vocals, they have a different vibe to them a little bit, and they seem to be, um, I guess, just a, just a little bit better, a little bit, um, and I don't know if you've improved as a vocalist or if it's the production, but did you push yourself with the cleans at all, or did you learn new techniques? Yeah, I mean, it was two things. One was, um, well, I guess the first thing was, was I just, like practiced and got better yeah. <laughs> you know that's like you know i mean i remember i actually had we were doing a, a listening party you know in australia just uh, what a week or so ago a week and a half ago and i actually had a couple of fans asking me you know it, a similar question being like hey like your clean vocals are much better on this record like what did you do and i was like well you know what i actually just like practiced a lot and i actually got some lessons with a with a really great singing teacher that's uh, here in melbourne and uh you know what and the other thing was, there was just such a huge focus on it because, you know, we did like 200 shows in support of Citadel all around the world. And instead of being at home focusing on, you know, being a violin teacher, and which is, you know, what I used to be doing most of the time, instead, you know, my main focus more and more was on Nail with Scars. And so, um, you know, I would go on tour and I would see how things went vocally. And obviously, I'd be singing and practicing every day on, on tour, you know, with the performances. And I'd, you know, see how things went. I'd come home and, uh, you know, go see this, uh, you know, great teacher and just have one or two lessons with her, you know, to go through a couple things, talk about, you know, what was good or bad in how things were going on tour and different things I was working on. And, 
you know, even in the lead up to the recording, it was like, well, this is the things I'm trying to do um, and trying to understand that technique aspect of, of you know, how to create different sounds with your voice. Because, you know, as a, as a violinist, you know, I studied classical violin from when I was six for like, you know, I had like 20 years of violin lessons. But singing was always something I just kind of worked out by myself. And so having that more detailed understanding of different techniques um, and like, you know, voice placement definitely gave me more options in regards to... Um, you're creating different tones. And then I think that just gave me a lot more confidence as well. And, you know, when I turned up to record with Mark Lewis, you know, I would try something different and I'd be kind of like, hey, like, was that good? Like, you know, I'm trying for a different tone here and it'd be like, fuck yeah, like, let's do more of that, you know. And he kept encouraging me to do, to push the envelope and to be doing different things. And, you know, my clean vocal style is pretty unusual for a, a metal band, especially an extreme metal band, you know. Um, and so, you know, I think in the past, sometimes I would get a bit conscious of maybe not wanting to be too like unmetal with the way that I sung, <laughs> but you know, more and more as I've got more confident, I just kind of don't give a fuck and just try to be myself. And I think that, you know, that's very much represented on this record where it's, it's really just, you know, me being myself, having really put a lot of work in and, and not really thinking too much about what people might think and just trying to, you know, um, represent my voice in the best way that it can come out yeah yeah right on that's awesome um you mentioned the violin training that you've had and, and i know whenever i'm listening to you guys i'll think about the violin and i've read in the past that you were classically trained you know you you were a teacher so when you when you guys started this band did you bring any of your kind of classical training and I'm sure knowledge of classical music and that sort of thing? Did you bring that to the table? I mean, because you guys have the longer song structures, you know, something that you see in classical music. And I've always kind of wondered about that part of it. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely an influence um, for sure. I mean, uh, in the way that I play as a violinist, it's actually less so. I mean, obviously, I get all the technical facility from all the classical study. Um, but you know, the stylistic approach to my violin playing is much more influenced from jazz violinists like, uh, you know, Jean-Luc Ponty and Stefan Grappelli or even Stuff Smith or, uh, you know, uh, Bobby Yang, who's an American violinist, you know, there's all these different types of more contemporary violinists who have influenced my playing as well as metal guitarists like Jeff Loomis and John Petrucci, you know, I, I kind of wanted to shred like those guys more than play like a mm. violinist. But um, but I think that definitely the big influence with the classical stuff is just on the compositional approach because you know I did study composition you know at university um, you know and uh, you know wrote quite a few classical compositions while I was at university and so the way that I I think about structure and the way that I think about creating music is heavily influenced by that combined with the fact that you know I listen to a lot of you know progressive acts like Between the Buried and Me or Path Dream Theater. Um, you know, even, uh, you know, post-rock stuff like Sigur or Explosions in the Sky. So there's lots of different acts that I listen to with unconventional song structures. And for me, I find it really difficult to think in normal, you know, first chorus structures. Like it's, you know, I think, you know, Intravenous is maybe almost the most traditional song structure we've ever had. And it's still a seven half minute song. <laughs> um, but, you know, a, a lot of the song structures are predominantly done by myself working with the other guys you know um like obviously a lot of the guitar work is, is mainly done by benji and and matt 
Um, and then often I'll be tossing things around and, you know, asking them, Hey, can we like extend this section like three times as long? Cause I've got some ideas for different variations I want to do where I want to put in a string section or I want to have these different progression of vocals or all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, definitely the classical stuff has influenced that to some degree for sure. Yeah. That's really interesting. Uh, the progressive nature of it, but with uh, it's the violin. It's just such an integral part of it, and obviously it wouldn't be the same without it. But anyways, I know we're getting short on time. I know you guys are coming over here for the U.S. tour coming up, which looks awesome. So I know everybody can go check you guys out with that. And then you've got the album coming out October 27th. So, Tim, thanks for doing the interview, man, and good luck with that album release. Yeah, thank you very much. You know, We're really, really excited about coming uh, come back to North America. It's uh, you know always... Um, you know, an amazing place to play. And honestly, like the, the last tour we did was, was probably the, the favorite tour that, that, that uh, we've ever had with the band. So we're, we're super pumped to get back and sales are looking really good and everyone seems super pumped. So yeah, we can't wait to see everyone at the shows. Mm-hmm.